0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01, and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, Here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Because we're continuing our series, the sermon doesn't lend itself to specifically speak to moms. So let me say something to all of you mothers. I'd like to share with you answers given by second graders who were asked questions about their mothers. Here's the first question. Why did God make moms? One second grader responded, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another second grader responded, to help us get out of there when we're getting born. A second question was asked, how did God make moms? One responded, magic plus superpowers and a lot of string. Another said, God made my mother just the same like he made me. He just used bigger parts. Another question was asked, what ingredients are mothers made of? God makes mothers out of clouds, angel hair, and everything nice in the world, and one dab of mean. Another one said they had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly used string, I think. Boy, these kids have a lot of value uh, for string, don't they? Another question, why did God give you your mother and not some other mother? We're related. Another one said, God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. Another question was asked, what kind of little girl was your mom? I don't know, because I wasn't there, but I guess she would have been pretty bossy. Another question, what did mom need to know about dad before she married him? Mom needed to know that my dad made at least $800 a year. He said no to drugs and yes to chores. I like that one. Another question, what would it take to make your mom perfect? One responded, on the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. Last question that was asked, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I'd take, I would make my mom smarter because then she'd know it was my sister who did it and not me. To all you mothers out there, we are so grateful and thankful for each and every one of you. And for every grandmother, every great-grandmother, and every woman God created, we are grateful for each and each one of you. Let me take a moment and pray for all of you, and then I'll pray for the sermon. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise praise you for each woman, young and old. And I would ask, Lord, right now that you would just minister to them physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, in every way. Minister to them in their families, their marriages, their kids, their grandkids. Keep them, protect them, sustain them, provide Put your arms around them, Lord. Let them sense your presence in a real new way. And Lord, I'll pray, I want to pray for those women whose hearts are breaking because they, they want to be mothers. And I pray that you will comfort them as they wait upon you. And Lord, we just commit them all into your hands, asking for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we also continue to pray for this sermon. And I ask that you'd forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. Fill me with your spirit, that you'd speak through me to your people, and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our study this morning is found in Genesis chapter 41. And the title is, is this, When God's Time Has Come. But before I begin, let me recap for us What Has Happened in the Life of Joseph. Leading up to our passage this morning, Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family. Although he had 11 brothers and one sister, his father Jacob favored him. However, all the special attention from his father turned out to be a curse rather than a blessing. His brothers didn't see anything special about Joseph, and they boiled with jealousy until one day they decided to turn against him. They threw him into a pit and made plans to kill Joseph until they saw a caravan approaching on his way to Egypt. They decided it would be better to make a few bucks off their brother, so rather than kill him, they sold him as a slave. The brothers convinced their father that Joseph had been devoured by a wild animal. They produced Joseph's coat of many colors, torn and covered in animal blood. His father grieved, but was completely convinced that his beloved son was dead. In his brother's They just forgot Joseph, but God didn't forget Joseph. Once in Egypt, Joseph was sold to a man named Potiphar, who was a high-ranking Egyptian official. Joseph did well in Potiphar's house until one day he resisted the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife. And because Joseph rejected Potiphar's wife, she retaliated. She falsely accused Joseph of rape, and he was thrown into a prison and forgotten by everyone. But God didn't forget Joseph. While in prison, Joseph met two new inmates. They happened to be Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer. And one night, both of them had disturbing dreams. When they related their dreams to Joseph, he was able to interpret them. Why? Because God enabled him to interpret their dreams. Joseph interpreted those dreams correctly, and the baker was killed, and the cupbearer was restored to his favored position. But before the cupbearer was released from prison, Joseph asked him not to forget him. Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him when he's restored to his position alongside of Pharaoh. He asked the cupbearer to mention him to Pharaoh so that he could get out of prison. But the cupbearer conveniently forgot Joseph once he was released from prison. But God didn't forget Joseph, and God will never forget you. Never. Now we come to chapter 41. In our passage this morning, in the very first verse, it says, When two full years have passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Unable to find satisfactory answers from his wise men, his cupbearer conveniently remembers Joseph, and he tells Pharaoh how Joseph correctly interpreted his dreams. We pick up the story in verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Today, I'm reminded of many shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams. He interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. But before I go on, let me just respond to how the cupbearer conveniently remembered Joseph. The cupbearer didn't remember Joseph until he needed him. But now he could use Joseph and receive the credit. It's amazing how pride claims all credit. Have you ever done something of great, you know, something great and you were promised to be promoted because you've helped your boss? But instead of the recognition and the credit going to you, your boss takes all the credit and you're left out in the cold. Has that ever happened to you? Listen to this. There is no wind so cold as a person's ingratitude. I've noticed there are those who, when they are prosperous, successful, have a tendency to forget the unfortunate. It's amazing how that happens. But I want you to know, Christchurch, that you have not forgotten the unfortunate. During this COVID-19 season, Christchurch, you have responded magnificently to the needs of people that Urban Impact serves. And Urban Impact serves some of the most vulnerable people in the city of Pittsburgh, especially during this crisis. Children and youth and their families have not been able to get access to food, medicine, and educational resources. But you at Christchurch, You have been giving food, volunteers, and money. And Urban Impact has been able to perform over 30,000 acts of service since COVID-19 hit our community. 30,000 acts of services. Listen, we at Urban Impact are so thankful and grateful for the partnership we have. Thank you that in your prosperity and in your adversity, you have responded to the most vulnerable. And I thank you. And Urban Impacts thanks you. And if there was such a thing as holy pride, I have it for you. You know, the scriptures goes on and tells us that Joseph is, is immediately released from prison and brought before Pharaoh. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and tells him that seven years of plenty were coming, followed by seven years of famine. After Pharaoh heard Joseph's interpretation, he realizes that Joseph was not only an interpreter of dreams, but he's also the one to carry out his rescue plan for Egypt. Then in verse 39 through 43, the scriptures tell us that Joseph was promoted by Pharaoh to be second in command. Starting in verse 39, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne Will I be greater than you? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signature ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. That made Joseph the money man. He could sign off on anything in Egypt financially. He dressed him in robes of fine linen. Boy, Joseph had a lot of problems with robes, but not this time. And put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of all the whole land of Egypt. Not only did Pharaoh promote Joseph to be his second in command, but he gave him a beautiful bride, a new place to live. And immediately everything in Joseph's life changed. Joseph went from a pit to Potiphar's house, to a prison, and now to a palace. And the whole time, Through the entire story of Joseph, we see the sovereign God preparing Joseph to serve him in Egypt, preparing him for greatness, to fulfill the dream that he had given Joseph back when he was a boy in his father's house. It is definitely an amazing story of how God can take what is meant for evil in someone's life and turn it, turn it to their good. Now, I have a question for you. What would you have done if you were Joseph? What would you have done with all that power? I think a lot of people would have called for the chauffeur to get the chariot and would have said, hey, drive me over to Mrs. Potiphar's house. I have an old score I need to settle. It's payback time. Then they would have gone back to the palace and said, Pharaoh, excuse me, sir, but I need to take a week off. I would like to take a battalion on a run up to Canaan. I have been waiting to visit my brothers up there. For a long, long time. I believe that a lot of people would have said this, especially Americans, because when I'm driving around, I see this bumper sticker quite often. It says, I don't get mad. I get even. But not Joseph. But why not Joseph? Well, the Bible gives us some insights. Why not Joseph? Before the years of famine, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife. And in verse 51, Joseph names his firstborn Manasseh and says, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And then in verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Notice in both verses, it says God has made me. God has made me. God has made me forget all my troubles. God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So let's look, first of all, at how God made Joseph forget. What did Joseph mean when he says, God made me forget? Did he hit the delete button? Did he experience God-given amnesia? No. He didn't forget the events that had happened, but he had been delivered from their pain. Let me illustrate what this means. When I was a young boy, I ran into a fence and cut open my face. So much so that I needed 14 stitches. It hurt horribly. Today, every time I look in the mirror, I can see where I ran into the fence because there's a scar on my face right here. But even though I see the scar and remember the event, it brings me no pain. Listen, Joseph had been wounded deeply by those in his past, but God had healed him. God had removed the sting of yesterday. There was no bitterness. The temptation of a mean spirit was conquered. One of the subtle ways Satan hinders us today is by playing an unpleasant tape recording in our minds over and over again. People lie in bed at night watching old videos on inner screen, on the inner screen of their hearts. Hurtful words said by others. Heard over and over again. Horrible, ugly scenes are repeated hour after hour, day after day, year after year. And that keeps the wound fresh each day. The reason Joseph was released from his pain was because he kept no no record of wrong. The person who rehearses continues to replay the tapes, continues to remember the things that have hurt them. They remain hostages to their past. But Joseph lived in victory because he refused to keep any record of wrong. He forgave. There's a warning here for all of us. It is, it, 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 it is tempting. It's tempting to hold grudges and to want to get back at all those in our past who've wounded us. But in order for us to give birth to our menaces, we must forgive those who have hurt us in the past. If we don't, the pain and the wounds of the past rather than heal will grow and fester into a cancer that will devour us. But in contrast, choosing to forgive those who have hurt us will allow God to remove the sting and free us. We will move from being hostages to our past to being free to give birth to a new future, a future of blessing which leads us into the name of Joseph's second son. Ephraim. Ephraim means, means fruit. It means fruitful in the land of my suffering. Jo- Joseph is able to look back over the past 13 years of suffering, over those many years when he couldn't see how God was going to fulfill the dream that God had given him. But now the dream is being fulfilled. And I say, by the way, 13 years, because in verse 46, it tells us, Joseph, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In Genesis 37:2, it tells us that Joseph was 17 when his brothers sold him as a slave. Now he's 30, 30 years old. So there have been 13 long years that have gone by. 13 years of ups and downs. Ups and downs. 13 years of one setback after another. And now finally, God's time has come. God's time has come to fulfill the dream that he gave to Joseph years ago. And now Joseph could see how God had made a way when there seemed to be no way. And why did God make a way? Because Joseph trusted and obeyed God. God took what was meant for evil in his life, and he turned it around for his good. And now he's standing on the other side of suffering in a place of blessing and victory, and he holds up his second son, and he says, God has made me fruitful in my suffering. Remember, Joseph had suffered not because of his own, un, his own doing, not because of his sin. He had suffered because of what others had done to him. He's suffering because of the sins of others. But now he enters the time of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in two ways, external and internally. Internally, externally. He had been blessed. He went from a pit to a palace. He went from leading prisoners to leading a nation. He has now a beautiful wife and two beautiful sons. But he has also been fruitful internally. He's bearing fruit. God had refined him, developed him, matured him to a place where now the dream he gave Joseph early in his life was now being fulfilled. But in order for Joseph to be used in the palace to govern over the nation of Egypt, he had to learn to first govern his own soul. He had to be trained, equipped, prepared for the ultimate purpose that God had for Joseph. Why? Because his character had been developed. Because God had been preparing him through those 13 years of horrific experiences, God had used his suffering to shape him for greatness, for fruitfulness. You see, Joseph had been shaped for, for a significant future to lead not only Egypt, but the then known world. And now he was able to look back and understand that he had not been sold by his brothers. If he had not been sold by his brothers, he would have never been bought by Potiphar. Had he not been bought by Potiphar, he would have never had been tempted by Potiphar's wife. Had he never been tempted and resisted Potiphar's wife, he would never have been falsely accused and thrown into prison. Had he never been falsely accused and thrown into prison, he would have never met the king's former cupbearer and interpreted his dreams. Had he never interpreted the dream for the cupbearer, he would have never been called up to interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. Had he never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph would have never been put in charge over all of Egypt. Had Joseph not been put in charge over all of Egypt, everyone in this story would die in the coming famine. Do you see the sovereign sovereign God at work preparing Joseph to be a man who he could trust, a man of integrity, a man of faith, and not only save him and all of Israel, but the known world? You might be asking, Pastor Ed, What does this have to do with us? In James, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. The Bible is telling us that when we're going through trials and tribulations, you are falsely accused, when you've been abandoned, when you are suffering at other people's expenses or at others people's expense, that you count it all joy. Why? Because you know God is with you. He will not abandon you. He didn't abandon Joseph, and he won't abandon you. Because you know that the testing of your faith is there to mature you, to complete you, where you're not lacking anything. Because you know that when you trust and obey God, he will take what was meant for evil and turn it for your good. Because you know that he will give you a manasseh. He will enable you to forget what people have done to you. Because you know that he will give you an Ephraim. An Ephraim. He will take your suffering and turn it into fruitfulness. That's what he'll do. He won't abandon you. You trust and obey him. He'll take what was meant for evil, turn it for your good. And then he'll give you an Ephraim and a Manasseh. He'll help you forget and to be fruitful. So that he can use you. Maybe you're sitting there today and you don't know the God who can give you a Manasseh or an Ephraim out of your suffering. I want to give you the opportunity to know him right where you are today. This will be the most important decision you will ever make in your life. You can come to know this transforming God personally right where you sit, right in your home, wherever you are right now. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. The prayer doesn't save you, Jesus does. So please close your eyes with me and see Jesus standing right there. And say this with with me, to Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn from the ways I'm living, and I turn to you. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. And I ask right now that you'd fill me with your Spirit, and you'd make me a child of the living God. For I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, believe me, you just became a child of the living God. And if you prayed with me, please text MIRACLE to 474747. MIRACLE to 474747. And you can, you can, you can text that anytime. You see this later on in the week or months, months from now. You can still text that. And someone from our prayer team will call you and help you as you begin or renew your walk with the Lord. Hey, this Mother's Day, all you moms, all you ladies know that God is with you. He won't abandon you. He'll take what was meant for evil, turn it for your good. He'll help you forget and forgive. And to all of us, that is the truth. Take that, make that real for you in your life, and may God continue to bless you. Amen and amen. Happy Mother's Day.